When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So, Gloria, I hear you're going to get an allowance. Is this true? Um, yes. So, where are you planning on keeping your money? Um, I do not know yet, but I'm going to figure it out soon. And what are you going to do with your money? Well, I'm saving up to buy a toy. You really like toys? Yes, I do. One of the places I, when I first got my allowance, where I kept my money was (coughs) a shoebox. A shoebox? Yeah, and one of the great things you can do with money, in my opinion, is if you save it up enough, you'll be able to buy your own desserts. Say what now? Hi, I'm your host, Nalika Radway, and this is Raising Rebels, a podcast about oppressed parents raising free children. As a mother of three amazing black children, I know all too well the struggle of encouraging your child to be fully themselves in a society that does not celebrate them. Each episode will feature courageous conversations with parents and my three lovely girls, Glory 7, Moxie 11, and Blue 13. Today we are joined by Jason Vives, a father, fellow HBCU grad. Yes. We won't talk about which one. Because why start? We're just, you know, we're just starting here, sitting together. Um, it's all love. An attorney. Welcome, Jason. Thank you. Thank you for that uh, introduction. And we won't talk about which one right now. Okay. But it'll come out. <laughs> <laughs> we are also joined by my partner in life, Hamara Radway. Say hello to our people, Hamara. Hello. Thank you for having me. All right. So today uh, we're talking about money. And something that the three of us have in common is that we are raising our children in households that are more affluent than the ones we grew up in. The way to put it is like, we got more than our parents did. Yes. Um, so we're going to start our podcast the way we always start. And by asking you like one word to describe how you're feeling right now. Eager. I am feeling eager. Hi, Mara. How are you feeling? Vulnerable. Hmm. <laughs> You're in good hands. No worries. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about yourself, Jason. By way of Queens, New York, I am a proud father of two beautiful twin girls. I went to the Hampton University <laughs> in Virginia for my undergrad studies and went to law school back in New York. I um Howard can't take everybody. Like we can't like we can't take everybody and um sorry, I, I cut you off. Go ahead and apologize. No, no. Um, you know, Howard was a you know, wasn't was an option. Um, but I <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lawyer. I've practiced family law in the past. I currently practice uh, ethics law. And I am really happy to be here sitting with you all <laughs> on this endeavor. I think it's really important. And um, I'm excited to be here. Cool. Uh, now, why don't you share a little bit about what you want us to know? Well, first, 
I went to Cornell University. You notice that all that got missed in college introductions and everything else here. And I think that's part, it's, it's good timing for this conversation about bougie-ness. Yes. <laughs> when black people don't talk about the Ivy League person yes. at the table yes. because they don't think it's valuable, yes. which is, I think, you know, yeah. it's mm-hmm. part of where we are and mm-hmm. part of the, the pleasure of being where we are, which okay. I think is nice. All right. So, Homer Radway had three beautiful daughters with Nolika, mm-hmm. and we have been buddies and best friends and partners in life, as you said, for a very, very long time. Right. You know, all my business. And it feels like a short time because it's been really fun. And I am from Jamaica, moved to New York as a kid, mm-hmm. and big transition going from Jamaica to New York. And so, I come with all of that. And currently in my life, I am a portfolio manager for an infrastructure fund. And so, I mean, in simplest terms, I help to build broadband networks throughout the United States through investment dollars. So I know a lot of people tuned out. Like I, I know that's what happened and it's yeah. okay yep. and it's okay because we're going to come back. We're going to circle back. Sounds it's, good. it's relevant. It's relevant okay. to our conversation. Sounds today. good. So this is about parenting. This is why we're here together. And so tell me something like the thing you love most about being a parent? I love seeing my children being able to apply things that I'm trying to teach them. I love the affirmation or the confirmation that they've gotten something that I've tried to give them, Mm. Um, any tool, uh, especially the tools that I didn't have coming up. My daughter's names are Niani and Daphne. We had a conversation Saturday in the car. Niani, we were listening to music like we usually do, coming from coming from Andrea's house. Andrea's my girlfriend. And Niani asked me, Dad, can we turn off the radio and talk? And I said, oh, shit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I, that's, that is something that I would never, ever, ever have thought to ask my mother mm-hmm. growing up uh, in a single family household, mm-hmm. a single parent household, excuse me, to direct the way the the moment went mm. in that in that sense you know mm-hmm. that was always an adult endeavor mm-hmm. in my household mm-hmm. so for her to even have the comfort because i would call it courage but it would have been courage for me for for niani it was just she was comfortable directing the um the moment and for her to even ask that i felt validated in the sense that i am teaching them to be critical thinkers i'm 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 teaching them to be expressive, but I'm also teaching them to be unapologetic about how they feel and how they express those feelings. And she just wanted to talk and she wanted to hear music anymore. So, you know, it's not this big grand giving out her feelings on something. She just wanted to talk Mm -hmm. and she said it. And so that little thing for me was a big thing. And so much of it is like interesting that you said, like you teach them. It's almost to me in so many ways, like you just created the space. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not necessarily direct instruction, you know, acts when you want. It's like, this you're is, the, them, yeah, right? you're like, this is, this is, this is our car. You know, this is our space. And you get to be part of like what we're about to do right now, um, which is awesome. Hamara Radway, tell us what do you love most about parenting mm, today? Today. <laughs> now in this moment. I think something Jason touched on is the freedom my kids feel is something that is infectious, right? I get to live in their freedom. And I think as a Caribbean young boy, I didn't have that privilege, right? I didn't have the privilege to be really free, to just let it all loose all the time. And my kids do that so live that 
I either have to go along or you got to figure out and tell them why the reason is they can't be free. And so I think being able to like give, you know, allowing them that space for the freedom and then being able to live in the freedom with them is a gift that I didn't expect. It's something that I was giving to them that I ended up receiving in bounty. So part of our practice here on Raising Rebels is to get in touch with our childhood self. Because like many times when we're parenting, we're parenting from like above versus thinking about who we were so that we can really connect. And also to like just respect the young people um, who are not in the room. And so I in thinking about the fact that we're going to be reflecting on like money um, and really like wealth and the wealth gap that exists between um, people of color, oppressed people, and um, white society. I ask both of you to reflect a little bit on a time when you had or knew or were aware of having less than other people. And so who would like to start to share their story and recollection? You're up for it, Hamad? Yeah, I'm up for it. When I said I was feeling vulnerable, it was this reflection that had me thinking about it because it's, um, it's being poor is one of these things that sticks with you. And I was really poor. Well, can I give you a little backstory? Absolutely. So part of my shopping experience as a kid was going down to the supermarket with your mom, right? You carry the cart, the same one you use for the laundry thing. You put it all in there. You get ready. You go to the supermarket. And we used to have a wick list. So you give a list. You buy what's on the list. That was it. No, 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 no variations, right? It was kind of like that menu. You don't get to substitute. And so you, one of the cereals you could pick was like a, like a bootleg version of kicks. It didn't even have colors on the box. It was like a gray box, with like brown letters. Like they were trying to make you mad that you had to eat this thing. It was so bootleg. But you go in, right? And you pass all the colors, like the Fruit Loose box is bright red, Lucky Charms is green. And you get to your gray box with the brown letters and that's the one you could get, right? And so um, I remember we used to go and go through that process and every once in a while you lose your mind and beg for the lucky charms or the fruit loops and it just wouldn't happen, right? Because you can't substitute. There's no substitutions from this wick list. And so I remember the first time I went to a friend's house and I must have been like 11, 12 years old and I just moved from the public school in my neighborhood to living, to go into this private school, all boys Catholic school in the Bronx called Mount St. Michael. So I get there and I have this friend and I go to his house one afternoon and he's got every cereal. Like he looks like he is the supermarket. He's like got every color, every kind. And it was in that moment that I realized I was poor. Mm. Mm. I mean, there's many moments in between, but yeah. that's a that's a moment in my adolescence where I was like, oh, this is a. Mm -hmm. Like he wasn't rich. He wasn't. He didn't live in a different neighborhood. Mm -hmm. We were just different wealth levels in our existing space. Mm, mm. You like you're triggering some of my thoughts, Jason. Do you want to share your story? Uh, yes. By way of background, I grew up in part of Queens called Regal Park. So many of us were poor, but we didn't know it because we were all poor. You know that was our landscape. But we were the middle school and the junior high school were in what I believed at the time were like rich neighborhoods, but they weren't. They were just lower middle class, maybe middle class, mostly Italian, Irish, immigrant, but they were middle class. Um, and that's where we went to school. So in the second grade, it was Miss Deal's class. It's crazy when you remember the teacher's name. That's always like, you know it's about to be on. Re, you know when you so, remember the teacher's last name. Because it's so yes, vivid. I you know, know. It's such I a know. it's such a delineation in my memory. Miss Deal's class, Bobby Shasta, 
Rod Schmidt, they were going to uh, a wrestling match um, and they were gathering money for the tickets. I was like, okay, cool. I wanted to go. Um, so I was so excited. I ran home, told my mom, you know, ticket was $10. And she was like, we can't afford that. That's grocery money. And I understood, but didn't. I was disappointed, but I, I didn't have the full realization until I went to school the next day. And Bobby's like, hey, Jay, you know, you come into the, to the wrestling match. I said, you know, my mom said we can't afford it because you're seven years old. You are as a transparent, you know, you don't have the words to kind of to massage or to uh, take care of your feelings. It's like, no, we can't afford it. And I remember Bobby looking at me. I remember this. All these years later, Bobby looking at me, he's like, it's only $10. Mm-hmm. And that at that moment, I knew that our financial situation was very different mm-hmm. than all of theirs because $10 in my mom's world is probably almost a week's worth of groceries in 1981. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I definitely, in thinking about this, like ha- asking both of you to reflect on having a memory of having less, I went back into my head. And similar to what you both communicated, is like when you're in your collective, you don't think of having less. Like you're just, that's that's just our normal. The memory that sticks with me, and that's how you know it stings, even when you don't want to give it credit. Because mm. I remember, it like it comes real quick, but I'll be like, that's not a, uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> I remember, I think I was like freshman year of high school and our phone had been turned off and a dude that worked, lived on the block that also went to the high school I went to, um, who in retrospect was a bit of a jerk, uh, came by my house and we were like chatting it up. Like he came inside the hallway and like we're talking like in a lot like vestibule. We live in a two family house in the Bronx and we're like sitting in the hallway and he comes over. He's like, yeah, my phone's turned off. My parents didn't pay the bill. And I was like, I know, like my phone's off too. It's been off for like months, like forever. And he like, he's like, my phone's been off for like a day. Like it'll be back on. And I remember like the, I could get, I could feel it right now. Like the feeling in my gut around like, Oh right, it's different. Right. <laughs> like, right. like exactly. oh right, there's degrees right. to this. There's levels to this. There's levels to this. And it was really like um, it sticks with me. Mm-hmm. And I remember that feeling that came like with it was like shame. Like I didn't want you to know that about me. And like, and also like that level of like, oh, I was vulnerable. Like I was out here just like just chilling. And then sides like, no, no, no. Um, and that's was really hard. And so in thinking about our children, I have these moments where I am acutely aware when they have more, which mm. is very different from my experience because I do not have very many spent thinking like, oh, I have more than the people around me. But with my kids, I've had a lot of moments where I'm like, oh, you have more. And I wonder around like, have you had any of those moments with your children where you're like, oh, they have more than someone else? And what has that felt like? So my girls will come home and tell me about conversations they have with their friends. And we live in a lower middle class to middle class area of Long Island Valley Stream. And they will come to me and say, dad, my friends are asking me if we're rich. Hmm. 
And I say, no, <laughs> we are not. Mm-hmm. Um, but they will talk about things that we do and things that we have in the context of their, you know, their everyday lives. I guess their friends don't have or do the same things. I know the feeling you're talking about because I've had to redefine the word rich, mm-hmm. even in the term poor. Like, I don't I think in those times when we didn't have money, we were really rich. I mm-hmm. just didn't know it. Right. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. The pressure of not having money and the food and the fridge being empty was so painful that you don't you can't just be in the abundance of the love. Right. You're feeling like you're you're lacking. And so we've I've had this conversation at home when these girls ask about like we're rich, like, yeah, we're rich, but not rich because we have extra in the bank. We're rich because of all of this abundance, our love, our friendships, our sunshine. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think you're right in that and like challenging how we even think about it. To be able to say it, right, mm-hmm. is hard to do, especially when you feel f- fragility around keeping it. Mm. Yeah. Do you both? Do you feel fragility around keeping it? For sure. That's why I grind so hard. That's the whole <laughs> grind so hard thing. Like you can't grind harder than me. You know. Mm-hmm. I definitely do. I have a. It's a. It's a negative. Um, it's a negative. The motivation is negative. Mm. It is a. From a trauma, almost. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I know do, exactly what you mean. I do not want my girls. My mom's gonna listen to this and kill me. I do not want my girls to have to grow up without the way we grew up without. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, in all honesty, in all candor, it's a fear. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a poor man's mentality in that sense is. I have a, like a squirrel. I have a million nuts stacked away for uh, a rainy day. And I double down on playing it financially safe. And so I could surely live in a bigger place or drive a more expensive car or take more vacations or buy more expensive clothes and things. I choose not to because... No matter what happens, I have to be able to make sure that we have a baseline and that baseline is X percent above how I, you know, grew up Mm -hmm. financially. Mm -hmm. Um, So when they say, are you rich? I'm like, no, and -hmm. don't think we're rich. Um, And because because I don't want them to be comfortable in any financial situation until we are rich, I think. And that's not the best way. You know, I, 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 I know that as I, as I say it, um, I fight against the, I fight against giving them the poor man's mentality that I have. Mm-hmm. I want them to, Andrea says to me all the time to live from a place of abundance. That is a challenge for me. Mm-hmm. I try to, I try to fall back on that when I'm uh, doing certain things, whether it's planning vacations or, you know, um, treating myself to this or that, it just doesn't come naturally to Mm -hmm. me. So for them, I want to give them that tool. Mm -hmm. I just, I, it's a challenge for me to, to do so because I don't know how. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's interesting we talk a lot around this idea of a scarcity mindset and how that is part of white supremacy to like make like it own power only works if you feel like you're always insecure. Like what we allow for our children um, and what the real wealth is, 
is this sense of safety and security. And with without that, and abundance. and abundance, and without that, you can't be creative, you can't grow, you can't take risks, you can't say like, turn off the music, let's talk. You know, you can't do that because you are in fear of everything. Um, and so there's a way that I, I hear what you're saying. And I think we also, Hamara and I sh- struggle with this idea of like, how do you talk to your children about the privileges that they have, the abundance that is real that you want them to bask in without shame, without like shaming them about what they have, without like when you come home and you're excited about an experience or something that you have access to and you're sharing that story with other people or or you're interacting with friends at school and they're talking about it, I don't want you to feel shame for what we've worked for. And not even work for, because I don't even know that, like, I don't know how, what I, if I buy into that whole work for what you have thing. Um, <laughs> but what I will say is like the reality of our lives. Do you think we have a lot of money? Just like thinking of that time we came back from that camp, and it was a camp full of rich white kids. And I came home to mo- uh, like determined to talk to mom about how much money we had and why weren't we giving it to the poor and such. Mm. And um, I think we have enough money to live comfortably and a lot of stuff. We have a lot of money to go on really cool vacations. And we live in a tiny apartment. So I do think we have a lot of money. What about that trip, um, that camp, um, made you feel like you wanted to talk about how much money we have? Because everyone else there was rich. They were tennis rich. Tennis rich? Whole new level of rich right there. They played tennis. In in the movies, tennis is what rich people play. Yes. (laughs) Rich people play tennis. We play tennis. Yes, but but they play it in a rich way with their golden golf carts. Ha ha ha! This is great! Yeah. It's different levels. Different levels of tennis. There is definitely levels to this stuff. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And so how do you talk to your children about their privilege? Well, let's start back. Do you recognize that they have privilege? I definitely recognize that they have privilege. And it's uh, it's uncomfortable. I think Jason's touching on this feeling of like when your kids first come home and they're celebrating that privilege, you're like, wait, are you making fun of poor kids like me? (laughs) (laughs) Like what is going on here? And so I think this feeling of like, not wanting to let them, I wouldn't say even bask in privilege, but just like not wanting, wanting them to have balance Mm -hmm. and to see all people and to appreciate what they have. But at the same time, not being secure is a hard thing when as a child, you lived in a place of insecurity. Mm. So yeah, I definitely Mm. recognize their privilege. And we have a funny story around this iPad. It makes me think of Mm -hmm, our iPad mm -hmm. with our, our daughter, glory. Um, and 
recently we just got a new iPad and iPads aren't cheap and it broke, right? And so, but I would have broken an iPad, right? Because <laughs> things with glass break in my hands. And so. Um, true story. True, true story. story. So, and so Gloria's like, I broke the iPad. Let's get this new one, you know? And uh, <laughs> right. 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 Like, right. that's kind of what happens when you break one, right? You get a new one. And so, but we have to have a real conversation around this idea of like, how do we not put too much value on material things, but at the same time have an appreciation for um, that privilege mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that opportunity and the access. And I think it's a hard balance. You got to be in the moment, right? It's, it takes like. And it comes easier for some than others. Like of the three, we have three, you know, you have two. And the way like the three of them react to that situation is very different. Like they like Gloria's like, we rich, like get me a new iPad and, <laughs> and she'll tell anybody who asks. Um, and then Moxie is very much like, oh, this is a this is a problem. This is a problem. What are we what are we gonna do? You know, and it's just <laughs> same household, you know, and it just feels different for them. How do you talk to your kids about their privilege? Or do you? I know I don't use the word privilege. I believe the idea I try to express to them is the same. Um as the definition of privilege that we're using right now, what I try to do is understand first that they don't know what they don't know. So this is their context. Their mm-hmm. context is what what we have. Their context Absolutely. is this TV and the electric scooter and four game stations and you it's know fun this, at your house. It's a lot. It's too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much fun. Because, you know, I put them on punishment for one thing, but then there's the other three. But that's a different podcast. That's a different episode. We're going to get there. Um, So I try to understand that I know parents who parent sort of like, well, I didn't have this. And so you won't have this or, you know, this is what it was Mm. for me. So this so yeah. And a nine year old is not going to be able to contextualize that or conceptualize that. I don't believe Mm -hmm. So I try to understand that they don't know what it was like for me when I was their age because mm-hmm. they're in a different space. I also try to show them the value of what they have and what we have. And so the best gift you can give my kids for me is a gift card mm-hmm. because I take that gift card and it's $25. We can go to a store and here is your budget. And so in my head, I'm showing them the value of that $25. Mm-hmm. Even though it was given to them, they have to budget. They have to prioritize. They have to go with forsake one thing if they want another thing. They have to to take the whole environment of what they want and make choices based on. And, and it, you know, it's, it's a luxury endeavor, but still they are having to figure out what to prioritize and then they are placing value in my head on what they want and what they're prioritizing um and i try to show them that so i go over my budget our budget with them so if it's like sunday and it's dad can we go to dave and busters i'm like listen we went to the movies we um we had you had soccer uniforms to buy like we blew past the budget you Time know the, for a little the, budget torture right, you little budget, budget torture you got going on sunday afternoon you know I, I mean i do think you bring up something um uh, you talked about our people <laughs> but you like said like like this idea of I didn't have it as a child then you shouldn't have it and then there's this other thing of like this this way in which we want our like whatever we va- whatever whatever we grew into whatever positive that we've grown and accomplished 
is somehow attached to our suffering or somehow attached to mm. the depravity, like somehow attached to the hardness. And without that hardness, then we're not like, either we're not gonna, we don't deserve the happy or the vacation or the stuff, or um, it's not attainable. So one of the other has to be true. And it is so much about how that oppression is deeply ingrained in us. And I keep, I always think about like how I look at my kid's life and I was like, oh, your life is awesome. So good for you. You know, like I'm like, cause I get to li- like, you know, I get to have that experience with them. Um, but I do think it is something about our people, oppressed people in general. Like you don't know how to pull it apart. You don't know how to like, you know, what I think we all get to do um, um, as part of uh, the world we live in and the access that we have is to see people who who really have money, right? Like who really have wealth. And what you recognize and I've learned is like, oh, they didn't work for none of this. Mm -hmm. You know, the people who have the most, they haven't struggled around any of this. And so here I am trying to make sure my little my my little person thinks that every the people who have have because they've suffered more. So are they supposed to suffer? Um if they're not suff- like are these people entitled to it cuz I don't know how they got it? And um so it's all really complex I think and really hard and so important like how we parent from a place of abundance, right? Like how we like how we think more about like telling our children times and places where they do have privilege and so they can account for it. And um, I'm gonna tell a little story that came to mind for me. We uh, recently uh, took our first trip to um, the motherland, to Africa. Uh, it was super exciting. And in preparations of of going, we you know we told the kids. I remember really clearly, like we're driving in the car, and I turn around, I was like, "So we're we're gonna go to Africa. We're bought tickets. We're going to Tanzania." And one of Moxie looked at me. And she's like, "Okay, like okay, we're gonna go." And I was like, "No, no, we bought tickets." And her face like lit up. Like, "What are you, are you like? Oh, we're really going? <laughs> you know, like now we're gonna eventually go." And so, in preparation, our oldest Blue was super excited about it. And so wanted to talk about it with everybody, wanted to talk about it with everybody. And she came home one day and she said, "Um, so mom, how can I talk about the fact that we're going to Africa? Like what's the, like, how do I talk about this and not be an asshole? Um, Which I really appreciate because that's like one of my goals as a parent is that my children um, are kind people, (laughs) you know, and think about other, aren't Mm -hmm. aren't assholes. Mm -hmm. And so um, she said, I said to her, uh, well, if people are talking about Africa and you're like, oh, I'm going to go. Cool. If someone asks you a direct question, oh, where are you going over winter break? Cool. If no one asks you about it, then you don't mention it. And um, you ha- I was like, you have me, you have Papa, you have your sister, you have grandma, there's plenty of people that when you want to unpack and think about it, you can talk about it with. But if no one asks you about it, there's no reason, like you got to check in with your intentions and like, are you trying to show off? Are you trying to brag? Um, are you trying to engage? And that is like, and she was like, okay, I get that. And that is her having to like check her privilege and really make a sacrifice about 
what she's willing to do or not do. And that's how I want people to interact with her around places where they have privilege. And so she has to practice that also. Um, and I think it is a really interesting and difficult thing to think about as parents and people who in so many ways don't have privilege, in so many ways sit in the place of oppression. Um, like how do you how you balance that talking to our young people about what they don't have and how you give them what the they space do have. to be right because i think what you learn i think as you get to a place where you're less insecure is that time to be is really powerful for your mind for your health for your happiness and i think my children because of the level of security they have a lot of time to just be and be themselves and be open. And I think it just creates so much room to grow. Do you talk to your kids about how much things cost? So we know you do. I sure do. Hamara Bawe, do you? It's hard. Depends on when. Tell me more. What's the what's the variable? So, you know, when you uh, blanked out on my description about myself and I got into the work part. part, <laughs> part, part yeah, part of it is... um. You know, I deal with numbers that are in the hundreds of millions of dollars around infrastructure. And so, you know, it's hard sometimes to think like for me, what is expensive or what is a lot of money is a thing about zeros. Right. And so it's like it's all zeros to me. And we're deciding what the front digit is and how many commas are in between. What do you think it means to be rich? Well, I feel like there's two ways to think about it. Rich as in full of love and happiness and rich with love. And then there's old money rich, extremely wealthy rich. Can I ask you a question? Where did this term old money come from? Like, where did you hear this term? Money that was inherited from a long time ago. So I learned about people um, still being rich off of slave trade and stuff. So... Stuff like that. I learned about it from Harry Potter because they talk about old money there. So apparently working class is when you work to get your money. And that opened my mind to realize that there's a whole other class where they don't have to work to get their money. Mm. I think that's that old money. Yeah. It could be upstate making jam. Malfoy money. Malfoy money. Malfoy. Draco Malfoy. Malfoy's dad does nothing. He got that Malfoy money. Mm -hmm. Got that. He he has that old money. Do you want Malfoy money? No. 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 Well, if I do have old money, I would prefer to give it to other people. So, therefore, yes, but only to give it to other people. It sounds super cheesy, but it's the truth. I have a hard time trying to say $2,000 is a lot of money and $10 is a little bit of money or vice versa because it's all relative. Okay. And that, like, you have, that's, you did it. That was, I don't even have to translate. That makes Thanks. perfect sense. Great. Do you tell, um, I know the answer to this, but I'm asking anyway. Do you tell your kids about how much money you make? Yeah, not really, no. I don't think so. Do you think so? I, I feel like we talk about, no, I've never said the number. Okay, you never said a number, but like, do if they asked you if if um, oh yeah, mom, I would tell them. Yeah, yeah, I have no problem telling them. Do you tell your kids how much money you make? No, because they would think it's a lot of money, and it's not. Um, and to Homero's point about the relativity of it, I I speak to them about money only when I can 
only if it's to reinforce the value of something versus what I think they're how they're placing the value on something, but not just generally. I, we don't walk around like, no, that costs seventy dollars and mm-hmm. that costs four dollars. It's only to reinforce that that principle. Um, if I told them how much I made, they would think we were rich. And to make whatever money that I'm blessed to make now, my 12 year old self would have looked at my 45 year old self and be like, that's impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want them to look at anything as impossible, especially something as like money, mm-hmm. it, which, is a, which is a construct as it is. That's so much of it, right? Like how we think of our children as us when they are so not mm-hmm. us. They are so not <laughs> like, so not living our experience, but how we want to recognize how much of our parenting is coming from the oppression that we're trying so hard to push back against. And I do think um, it's incredibly difficult. And to to your point, right? Like, how do you give them perspective? Yeah. Like, how how do you because to you it seems unattainable like it would it would have seemed unattainable and to them it's just their life mm-hmm. it's what their father mm-hmm. made and i know that when we were growing up i had no sense of what my parents made until that fafsa <laughs> until <laughs> until right, you right, until right. you apply for college yeah, right, yeah. and you're like well we don't got nothing so we about mm-hmm. to just and then you see and like wait a second what do you Wait, what? How? <laughs> how? how what, I don't, huh? The how? Not how how were you able to yeah, raise us yeah. on this? Or the other part of it. Like, you know, for for me, I didn't have any concept the difference between $20,000 a year to $40,000 a year to $60,000 a year. Um cuz we never talked about it. Mm-hmm. I hadn't I did not have any sense of like I don't think I knew how much our rent was. Like I had no sense of anything. Anytime someone asked me how much something costs, like how much does it cost to go to Zanzibar? I tell them, you know, right. how much is that car? Anytime anyone asks me anything, because what I realized and what I, around being with people who have is that people who don't have really have no understanding how far, how wide that gap is. It is, it is, <laughs> this is, this is a good time for you. Cause you understand these, you understand all the zeros. It is, really it, big. It is like, um, the Grand Canyon, like in some ways. The disparity of wealth you mean, right? Between, the disparity of wealth. Yeah. The like, cause it's not even necessarily about your income. Something that Hamara and I talk about so often is, um, if you look at how much income we make, I think. For sure, like we're doing well. But when you factor in to that income, student loan debt, you're the only person in your circle and your family that is anywhere close to there. So like- You're their their, safety net and security, right? You're their safety net. You don't have a safety net and security to your point of like saving and like um, all the nuts. And so you're doing all of that together. um, And then you realize, wait, wait, that gap is really, really large. And so you're either on the one side of it or you're not. And I think it's so helpful um, for people to have an understanding of that. And I do, I think something that comes with it that I know is true for you, Hamara, and I'm curious if it's true for um, you, Jason, is this survivor's remorse. Mm. And so, which was also a really great show Mm. on... um, 
So if you haven't checked it out, you might want to. But uh, tell me, is that something that you want your children to inherit from you? It's interesting you say this because I think part of this relative understanding what something should cost relative to what you think it's valued is part of that survivor's remorse for me. Right. Like, so one of the first jobs I had, and Nolita's heard this story, I don't think, Jason, I've ever told you this, but before, one of my, my first ever hustle was sitting on the street with my aunt in Kingston, and she would sell, like, she'd go to Miami, buy a bunch of stuff, sit on the street, sell them to people, she'd give credit lines, she was genius. And so, <laughs> she, and so I'd sit there, you know, she got to go to the bathroom, get a juice, or even if she'd go rough somebody up for her money, mm-hmm. she, I would sit there and collect, right, while this happened. And so... I, I mean, part of what you understood from that was like, how much does a three pack of panties cost? And should they be broken up separately and different? And how much is that all worth? Right. And learning that as a young person is part of like what you learn in your neighborhood of how not to get hustled. Right. Mm-hmm. Of like, how much does everything cost? So you know that like I didn't lose too much on that thing so I could still have enough. And I think. It's uh, that's part of my survival's remorse and teaching them this perspective. Um, Blue and I talk about this some and I think Moxie as well of like, what is that worth and mm. how to figure out what something's worth with your child who wants to buy it. But they're kind of, you know, they're like, OK, this is what it matters to mm-hmm. me. But what do you think it's worth in dollars and um, how to figure that out is my survivor's remorse. But in that process, we have a fun game of like relatively what is this worth which is kind of fun to work out i think i need you just to define survivor's remorse for me in this context so survivor's remorse is this idea that you got it you made it out Mm -hmm. and in the fact that you made it out that you feel there's a sadness that comes with that without with not being able to bring others with you um and there's a constant like trying to like pull everyone else up or um a guilt around that privilege, that right. guilt around um, that sometimes leads to so much humility mm-hmm. um, and connection and drive, um, drive and um, community. And I would add that I think sometimes the person you think you're leaving behind is your younger self. Like for me, it's mm. my younger self. It's like my nine year old self is like, oh, word, you're having caviar today. That's right. what you're doing today. <laughs> you know right? So I, 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 I feel two ways about that. I think my survivor's remorse then is way more pervasive than just um, making it out. Like, I think I have survivor's remorse for our ancestors who were slaves, who toiled and were murdered and continued to try to live so I could sit here right now. It really, I... I feel guilt about that. Mm. Um, and I know I, we are the product of that. Mm-hmm. And the reason that those things were even possible, the reason that we're even possible is because they made a choice to endure. And so I have to be careful to not to feel too guilty about that and to take care of that and then do my part to push, push forward. I think you just said something or like synthesized a feeling that so many of us have that I never like I never even thought of it in that way. And how can thinking about like, you know, there's these T-shirts you see. So like people have like I am my ancestors wildest dreams. Mm -hmm. And I see those T-shirts and I was like, that's so like, yeah, like that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of speaking to like 
well, why a, the person's probably wearing that teacher t-shirt right. is because what they might really be feeling is this intense guilt right. about being their ancestors' wildest dreams. And that idea that like, well, my aunt, that, that person was worthy of this life I live right. now. You know what right. I'm saying? And, and why and, me? And why me? That is the survivor's remorse. That is, is the that biggest. Is this, yeah. That is the biggest part of the survivor's remorse. Amara and I talk about this all the time. Like we know very well we're not that there was a kid on the block smarter than we were. We know very well that there was a little far. <laughs> <laughs> But you touched right. on it. It's okay. not, it wasn't hard work. Right? It wasn't the, the work. Okay. Well, or smarter than the white dude that make that is your oh, boss for sure. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. That's that is it. I think you spoke to it. Um, our lovely, lovely children. Our amazing, 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 lovely children. They're not our ancestors' wildest dreams. They are our ancestors. Sure. And mm. I think that. Sure. What the way we heal it. Like we spoke about so many things tonight because you guys were so vulnerable and you were so like honest and like something we talk about on Rising, Raising Rebels is this idea that we're evolving and that we always get to evolve. Like we get, we're in, the, we're in it. Like we're not, we're not here talking about it because we're, we're at the finish line. There is no finish line. We're in process. Um, and that our children are our ancestors and by them living so big, by them being so wealthy and so rich and not being concerned about it. It's really when, when the iPad that's broke. That's deep. People charge $200 for 45 minutes for this kind of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. It's though. coming that's at amazing. you. It's that com- was it's, really, that's it's coming at. It's coming at. It's because we got to share. That's the whole, like we're building community here. And I think that it's so important for us to recognize that anything that is oppressive to our children is wrong. And so I think those are the checks around this money thing and like how we're th- we're helping them think about it. If when we have the conversation, they leave with feeling like uplifted and empowered, we said the right, like that's how, that's my litmus test. If they leave it feeling shame or oppressed, and I, I, I messed up, like so, so, something in my delivery, something in like my own trauma mm. has been spit onto them and I got to check myself because it really is all relative. Nothing is expensive and nothing's cheap. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm. like the way you just expressed that around, like, is it worth it to you? Because we live in a very small apartment. (laughs) I mean, I think my mother, you talk about your mother's gonna give you a hard time about something. My mother gives me a hard time. I I wanna say at least a phone call once a week of like, when are you getting my grandchildren out (laughs) of that two bedroom apartment um, that is so small. True story. And I always think, I love this place because it reminds me of my childhood home. If you know, and she's like, no, get get them out of there. You guys, you guys got money. Why why are we doing this? Why are we struggling? And we're not struggling, but what we choose to spend our money on is travel. Like that's important to us. For us that we love that. We want them to have experiences. And so that's where it goes. But it's that's because it's worth it to us. Someone else, it may something else might be the thing, right? Like some also got to try the other version right so we tried we did a bigger house and everyone had bedrooms and we all camped out in one room in a corner somewhere <laughs> and we were like why are we doing this to ourselves mm-hmm. True we did story. that so i think you know part of it is the privilege to try that's true the privilege mm-hmm. to try that's true all of us all people all parents and 
most importantly, our young people should have the opportunity to decide what is valuable to them. And I just, is there anything about money and um, talking to your children about money that you want to leave us with? I think as much as you mentioned that through some of the access we've had, we've had the opportunity to see a lot of people with tremendous amount of wealth. And I wouldn't say they did a lot of work to get that wealth. I think you nailed that. And I think demystifying for our children money versus this idea of rich um, and having different words for it and treating money as money, right? Like the ability to make money, get money is a choice. And I think demystifying what money means to be parts of all other things that are related to my childhood, to our child childhoods, um, I think is the first I think the biggest step in all of that is just being able to strip that down and just like understand it for what it is. And you can still be rich without it and do many, many other things. To me, it's ex it's exactly that is removing for them this mental impediment I had at their age, which is my situation and a person with something or with money or whatever situation is so vastly different and unattainable. I try to remove the idea that money is this thing, you know, take, take the, not the value from it, but take out of the idea of money that it is just something that rich people have, you know, it is, it, it is a tool like anything else to do and to be what it is that you want to do and be. Mm -hmm. um, and there is money in in any field. You know, if, if you apply yourself, they are talented, they are smart, they are funny, they are intuitive, um, they are introspective. And if you apply yourself, there'll be money there. Don't think of, again, I thought of money as this, uh, this idea that, you know, this unattainable idea. And I want them to say, ah, money. Okay, mm -hmm. you have money, you have this money, you have that money, I have this money. Not let that factor in the way that it factored for me. Let's remember how important it is that we demystify money for our children. A question I'm left thinking about is how do I remind my children that money is a tool that gives them choices. Thank you for listening. We wish you the best of luck along your parenting journey and know that I have your back. On our next episode of Raising Rebels, we will discuss why playdates are fundamentally racist. You can hear what I say. This podcast was produced by Domino Sound. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.